Welcome to the Year of the Movie podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies from the year of the movie, 2023. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Good. How are you? I'm doing good. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Today is our Halloween episode. Uh, sorry if I scared you with my little little voice there. I know it was a little spooky. That little, was that was a trick. A little scary and a treat. Oh, for me. good. <laughs> uh, as always, I'm Sebastian. I'm Maggie. And over in our little computer station booth, we have Bryce. Say hello, Bryce. The boy who never grew up. Uh, <laughs> my name's Peter. For our audio viewers, uh, everything's normal. Everything's completely normal. No, uh, we're all dressed up right now. Um, Bryce is uh, Peter Pan, mm-hmm. and Bryce, is there any way that you can stand up for the camera and really show off what you, what you got going? <laughs> Uh, he's the boy who never grew up. He's wearing Clearly. he's wearing shorts. Brown are they brown? No, they're gray. Gray shorts with a little Peter Pan shirt and, and cap. It's just a really good look all around. It was between this and a Chewbacca onesie. <laughs> uh, Mackie, what are what are you dressed up as? I'm I'm Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, but you spooky. are. <laughs> For our audio <laughs> listeners, Maggie has a cowboy hat. It was the closest hat we had. A yellow rain jacket <laughs> mm-hmm. and a black t-shirt with glow-in-the-dark dinosaurs on it. They're dinosaur skeletons, which is why That's it's true. spooky That's Jurassic it's Park. Spooky. <laughs> Move your laptop down real quick. Oh, yeah, man. there we go. Now our video viewers can, can see. Yeah. Yeah. And I obviously am the scariest thing of all. A sexy vampire from the Blade Trilogy. <laughs> For our audio viewers, I have a cool black coat, mm-hmm. a white button-up, and red circle sunglasses. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I introduced you like this, because this is a little vampire voice. I think you should just make that your regular intro voice now. Welcome. That should be the trailer. <laughs> we should use that for the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's a Halloween episode. Um, yeah. And our episode, obviously, we wanted to do a Halloween-related thing. I don't really like horror movies. They're not really for me. Um, so the movie that we're talking about today is uh, A Haunting in Venice, which, you know, takes place during Halloween, and mm-hmm. they made it a little... Yeah spooky but there are some other halloween ish or adjacent movies we could have done um we are recording this on september 20th uh haunting in venice came out on friday and um what is haunted mansion is not on disney plus yet no so that's why we're not covering that one yet and we already talked about renfield (laughs) yeah I can solo Haunted Mansion right now. I know. <laughs> we know you can. Right? <laughs> if, here, if 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 uh, if our audience wants a special Patreon exclusive episode of Bryce soloing, yeah, a Haunted Mansion stream episode, stream of consciousness. Let us know, and we will do that. Yeah. Two hours of Bryce talking <laughs> Haunted Mansion. It's not going to fo- follow our formula for podcast. No, 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 absolutely not. No, It'll be whatever I remember. I wouldn't want it to. <laughs> yeah. And I refuse to watch it again before I record it. Sure. So we're just going to go off of pure memory. Sure. Yeah. Uh, why did we start this podcast? Uh, 2023 is a weird year for movies. 
uh, besides the strikes happening, and then they happened, and that that made things a little bit goofier. Yep. Um, so next year is also going to be a goofy year for movies. And ones that have come out this year, uh, we've obviously talked about 65 and Cocaine Bear. Um, the bigger ones like Barbie um, and then Fast X came out. Yeah, we kind of forgot about Fast Renfield, X recently. Renfield. Uh, the Five Nights at Freddy movie is coming out soon. Super Mario came Super out Super Mario year. came out this you year. You guys remember that? You remember that earlier this year? Super Mario Brothers the movie? Yeah. And it wasn't bad? <laughs> yeah. The soundtrack's in my workout playlist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we'll talk about it eventually. Yeah, but, I'm trying like, to look at our uh, 80 for Brady. Obviously, we uh, got to talk about yeah, that at some point. Um, a man called Otto. Everyone's parents, I feel like, were really George into that. Foreman, a George Foreman biopic. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just a really weird year. And not, I'm, I'm not saying that, like, all of these are bad movies. No. You like, know what else came out this year? An Indiana Jones movie. Oh, my God. That's right. <laughs> wow. I feel like we just kind of glaze over in well, the intro why it, of, like, we just say, yeah, it's been a goofy year for movies. And yeah. then forget to highlight that an Indiana Jones movie came out this year. And it year. didn't do great. Yeah. I think so everyone kind of forgot about yeah, it. Yeah. Knights of the Zodiac happened. Uh, Mafia Mama. Wow. This is... A Mission Impossible movie came out. Meg 2. A Power Rangers movie came out this year. Yeah. Just. It's, a, yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's why we started a podcast dedicated to this year. Because and it's never going to end. It's never going to end. We keep finding new movies. Today, I we saw just, five new movies. Yeah. We, we what, September 20th is right now. Correct. That's, that's nine months into this year. Yeah. And, and we just discovered five new movies. Yeah. Yeah. How spooky. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, we just, we have a whole spreadsheet here that we're looking at on the screen right now. It just, I just scroll and it keeps going. Just, There's a Michael J. Fox movie? It was a it was documentary. A, yeah. Which this podcast probably won't discuss documentaries. We might have a few exceptions. That might be one of them. Yeah. We're still kind of figuring that out ourselves. Let us know if you want us to the discuss. The Tetris movie. The Tetris. Oh my God. I forgot about Tetris. <laughs> The remake of The Color Purple. Yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving, a oh, horror yeah. movie we will have to watch. I'm so sorry. Well. I will watch. <laughs> <laughs> the Flash. Uh. Anyway, this has gone on for long enough. It's not a bit. It's just wild. Yeah. Uh, so today's movie, A Haunting in Venice. Yep. The synopsis is now retired and living in self-imposed exile in the world's most glamorous city, Perot reluctantly attends the seance at a decaying, haunted palazzo. He soon gets thrust into a sinister world of shadows and secrets when one of the guests is murdered. What were your first impressions when you heard about this movie? Uh, my first impression, I think, was probably another one. Um, as in, why is oh. there another one? Yeah. Because this is the third in this series where yep. uh kenneth Branagh is playing um and i thought it, it was a little silly when the first two came out because mm -hmm. it's kenneth Branagh mm -hmm. playing <laughs> what, what was your first impression when you heard about this movie it was um just kind of a deep sigh mm-hmm because uh, my next question is, how familiar are you with Perot slash Agatha Christie? Mm -hmm. The short answer for mine is very. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've read a decent amount of her books. Uh, I've seen like 
so too many of like the mini series that they've done of Miss Marple and Poro and I didn't watch the first movie. I've seen the second one and then I also don't like Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. So <laughs> I haven't been super happy with the way that he's taking this mm-hmm. series but um yeah. 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 I as we discussed in a previous episode, don't read books unless it's <laughs> like a very specific niche. Yeah. Um, but I have seen many episodes of the BBC, mm-hmm. which, you know, was put on PBS for us Americans before it went to streaming. Yeah. Um, that, that was in the 90s, I think. 90s, early 2000s. Oh, I mean, I mean maybe I'm sure a version. But. Um, I, it, it's truly difficult for me to tell because I feel like for like you get a PBS box set of the DVDs of yeah. those shows and that is a uh, like a bonus gift for signing <laughs> up for years yeah. <laughs> so I can really can't tell when it was first made uh, but to me that is always who Plaudra is yeah um, that little stout Belgian man yeah I forgot to look up that actor's name but that's also who i picture first i don't picture kenny no kenneth branagh is an interesting choice for sure well the choice was made by him so i think he was really happy with his performance during the casting process and it felt like a natural decision (laughs) yeah uh david suchet 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 i think is the Perot from that show. In the books, Perot is described as um he's described as having an egg-shaped head multiple times. Uh that's like a very specific thing. I kind of picture him as like suave Danny DeVito. Yeah. Yeah. No, Not I... that Danny DeVito isn't suave, but he's, you know, you know, the past few years, especially with uh it's always sunny yeah which is now a decade more than a decade so i guess more than the past few years has really claimed the unhingedness that is danny devito because he's always like kind of had that right like he's always been a goofy guy yeah but the last decade he's been like i'm danny devito (laughs) let's get funky (laughs) i do jersey mike's commercials now yeah (laughs) (laughs) yep yep well, um, as as we always do, we're going to talk about the trailer, mm-hmm. and by the talk about the trailer, we will re- describe it. The <laughs> d- description of what happens in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do this one? Sure. Um, so there's tense music, or, or tense music sting over a shot of Venice. We hear a woman say, "Hercule Poirot, I found something." As Poirot turns around towards the camera, we see the detective walking with the woman through the city streets. As she says, "I've looked at it every which way. I am the smartest person I've ever met, and I can't figure it out." So I came to the second. There's a closer shot of the woman as she delivers this line, and we see it's Tina Fey. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, more walking and talking shots as Perot responds. You are up to something, my friend. And then there are fireworks over the city at night. There are three boats making their way through a canal as Tina Fey narrates. I've seen a million of these so-called psychics, each one a fake. There's a shot of a masked figure in a dark cloak on a boat emerging from the darkness. Perot says, I do not believe in psychics. Tina Fey says, come with me to a seance. Spot the con, I can't. And we see people sitting in a circle around a figure in the middle. There's a shot of the masked figure walking up to Perot, and we hear Michelle Yeoh say, Detective, you are here to discredit me. The shot returns to the seance as she continues, but I can talk to the dead. A rat comes out of a gargoyle. 
Is it a gargoyle? I know you have specific thoughts on this. Um, or is it just a fancy drain pipe? If if the water can go through the gargoyle's mouth, then it's a gargoyle. A rat comes out of a gargoyle. A blonde woman <laughs> A blonde woman speaks to Perot, saying, I'd give all I have to hear my daughter's voice. Back to the seance. Uh, with Poirot pacing around the group. There's a close-up of the psychic as she says, if someone wants to be heard, we are here, before showing a parrot. A young boy in the seance circle looks at Michelle Yeoh as she goes into a trance. There's a shot of the whole group for a beat, waiting for something to happen before a light bulb bursts, a chandelier falls, and a woman jumps in surprise. Lots of stutter shots of people turning slash looking scared, lights turning off, and a teacup crashing to the floor. Michelle Yeoh gasps before looking right at the camera and saying mama in a young girl's voice. The blonde woman also looks right at the camera slash the psychic and asks Alicia, Alicia? We briefly see Perot's face and a quick scan of the whole group before cutting back to the woman who asks what is happening. A window bursts open and Michelle Yeoh begins to quickly spin around in her chair, screaming at the passing faces. There's a quick shot of a raised hand, slashing red marks, and a distant scream as people run out of a room. There's a black and white shot of a woman's body in the water. Then a closer shot of Tina Fey screaming. The title card from 20th Century Studios followed by a door locking. A man stands with a young boy and says, you can't trap us here. There are some brief shots of the large house they're all in, then Perot closing a gate. There's a close-up of his face as he says, somebody is dead. A woman pulls a sheet over a body as he continues, nobody shall leave until I know who did it, with a shot panning over the whole group. People look at each other suspiciously. A different man angrily says, a ghost killed her, before a shot of someone running past the man and child sitting in a room together. Lightning flashes. Another Perot close-up as he says, there must be a rational answer for all of this, followed by another shot of a masked figure in a boat in the rain. There's chaotic shots of Perot and people losing focus. Tina Fey saying to the camera, just admit that you're up against something bigger than you, as Perot shuts a door behind him in a small bathroom. There's a close-up of the drifting faucet. Perot looks at it with confusion, with his head low over the sink. Then a quick cut to his head being held beneath water and him struggling to breathe. He raises his head from the sink, seeing a girl covered in water in the mirror behind him who disappears as he turns around. Another shot of Michelle Yeoh asking, you were saying? And a shot of Perot looking up, startled. Title card with dramatic music on September 15th. Then shot of the storm outside, some shadow puppets, and Perot saying, something in this house tried to kill me. A, great fall, a gate falls as people walk up to it, seemingly trapping them inside. Another title card says death before Tina Fey <laughs> says, don't look at me like I'm a suspect. We're old friends. As Perot squints at her, then shoots shots of other potential suspects. Perot responds, every murderer is someone's old friend, with other shots of people looking scared. The blonde woman backing up from someone as lightning flashes and a girl is seen hovering in the air behind her. Another title card reads, comes for everyone. As the music builds to being more chaotic, a rope falls and then a woman's body is shown beneath the water. The music cuts out as a key turns, then we see the back of Poirot's head as he looks at the group of suspects out of focus in front of him. More stutter shots of a masked figure, the fallen chandelier, and apples floating in water as he says, No one shall leave until I find out if the living here have been killed by the dead. There's several very brief shots of scared people and that one wet girl, then more lightning and rain outside. Things briefly fade to black, coming back up onto Perot, speaking to someone, saying, you have been hiding here all the time? We see he's speaking to a young girl who nods in response. He's interrupted by Tina Fey, asking, who are you talking to? And as he turns to look back at the girl, she's gone. There's one final shot of Perot looking tense before the title card, A Haunting in Venice. It's very fast editing. 
Yeah. yeah. It's very tense. And I was also making fun of it <laughs> the whole time, but it's like, uh, it's trying to be super suspenseful with everything. Mm -hmm. Very dramatic. Um, and then leaning into the supernatural elements more so than either of the other two movies did. They're not really supernatural stuff isn't really brought up in either one of them. No. Um, and just, you know, for any new viewers mm -hmm. of why we talk about the trailer, uh, for a couple of reasons, we can't show the trailer on this podcast. It's mm -hmm. not a legal thing that we can do unless we somehow get permission. Um, and also maybe, you know, you haven't really heard about it. Maybe like this gets you interested. But like the main thing really is sometimes trailers can be different from what the movie ends up being. And yeah. we have discussed that in one of our previous episodes where the trailer definitely was not really what the movie ended up being. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like an important thing or at least maybe a cool thing, a neat thing that goes into making movies and marketing movies of just like a different team makes the trailer than the team that makes the movie. Yeah. The people that make the trailer are an ad agency that need to just sell seats. Yeah. In theaters. So it, like it's interesting to see how a movie is trying to present itself mm -hmm. um and to get people interested. And this trailer kind of does um the trailer thing of like misdirecting and making you think about one thing and then the plot and everything is obviously going to be more complicated than that. Um, there were a couple, this nitpicky, uh, but when I was watching the trailer and um, there are a couple lines, especially at the beginning where Tina Fey says, Hercule Poirot, I found something. And then there are a couple other lines that she says that have clearly just been spliced together. And the editing on it is a yeah. little bit sloppy. Like you can clearly hear that there is, you know, it's like that almost interrupting thing of like, mm -hmm. this is this first half of half of the sentence did not match the second half yeah. but i'm also curious like is that obvious to us because we are movie makers ourselves and movie lovers that we just pay more attention because i do feel like that's something where, like when we make stuff i focus so much on little things that people just never even notice yeah maybe so like i don't know if that's just a because we are more yeah into it um the trailer also makes it seem like the uh the girl is the main victim that they are all there for which is true um but the agatha christie formula is like you might start out with one body but by the end you're gonna have three ish mm. um so it was interesting in the editing of the trailer who it kept like re referring back to and who it made it seem like was a bigger yeah. part of the movie um because, you know, spoiler, they don't all live through <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's because they don't want to show you who does end up dying. Yeah. So, like, if it starts out with, like, you know for sure that this person is already dead, mm -hmm. then, like, that's the, I don't know. Because, you know, if you watch the trailer and they're like, this guy gets killed, then you're like, oh, Okay. I guess I know that he's going to die. Won't, yeah. Won't form any attachments to this character. I know that's like how trailers work and whatever. And it's supposed to make you think uh, it could be anyone or anything like that. <laughs> it could be me. Yeah. What if I kill <laughs> <laughs> There's the specifically the shot of like the 
because like I was surprised. I feel like I didn't watch the trailer until after seeing the movie. Hmm. Um, I had just been aware of it happening, so I didn't. I don't think I felt the need to watch the trailer really. Um, but I was surprised at how much the the dead girl is involved in the trailer or how how much they present her in like different ways and she like her presence escalates a lot where uh you see her body in the water and then there's a a brief shot of the one woman that's draping the sheet over a body and then you like there's a flash of her face mm-hmm. on the screen and then Perot in the bathroom and then just fully floating behind a woman so like she becomes much more obvious throughout the trailer and it it really made it seem like you know if she's not the victim then she's the ghost <laughs> that they're mm-hmm. all fighting I, or yeah yeah uh before we get into big spoilers talk mm-hmm. about the cast yeah because you know these movies typically have big casts mm-hmm. the first two definitely yeah did. and it's a it's a pretty good cast um kenneth branagh as hercule pro shocking <laughs> uh michelle yo as mrs reynolds that's the psychic jamie dornan as dr leslie farrier uh tina fey as ariadne oliver ricardo scar marcio as vitali porto portfoglio I hope either of those pronunciations is correct. Kelly Riley as Rowena Drake, Camille Cotton as Olga Semenov, Emma Laird as Desdemona Holland, Ali Khan as Nicholas Holland, Kyle Allen as Maxime Gerard, and Jude Hill as Leopold Ferrier. Um, can kind of say so. Poirot is there by himself. Mrs. Reynolds also, or she she's the psychic, and then she has her two assistants, um, who's Nicholas Holland, and then his sister or half-sister Desdemona Holland um Dr. Farrier has a I don't know how old he's supposed to be 10 8 or 10 I don't a know a young, young boy yeah. <laughs> who is his son uh Ariadne Oliver is also there Rowena Drake is the mother of um Alicia Drake who is the girl that died that they're trying to contact in the um séance and Maxime Gerard is uh, the daughter's or the dead girl's um, former fiance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. I know we just watched this, but there were yeah. so many names. That... It's a yeah, it's a lot of them, which is also like what happens in the classic whodunit is that yeah. it's almost you can't really keep track of everyone because there's just so many people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kyle Allen. When I first saw this movie. I thought that somehow they got uh, Heath Ledger <laughs> to, yeah, to he, be de-aged he, he in this movie. A Heath Ledger look to him. I think it's um, the I feel like mouth he, mostly. He kind of looks like someone else too, and I can't can't tell you who I'm thinking of legally, but <laughs> I, it's, it's somebody. Yeah, I, no, I just can't remember who I'm thinking of, but I definitely I, kept I seeing you. him, and I was like, I know. I recognize, and I know I've seen him in other things, mm. but like it was still more like I feel like this is somebody else. I keep thinking he is somebody else. Yeah, um, yeah, they're all like pretty big names. Jamie Dornan is probably most known for Fifty Shades of Grey. Tina Fey is oh. Tina Fey. Um, I knew, I knew Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, 
Tina Fey mm-hmm. and and um, Ricardo, I, I think were the only ones that I like really knew. I, like I obviously I just said that I knew Kyle Allen. Yeah, but or recognize him. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other ones I truly could not tell you. Um, Kelly Riley is pretty big in the UK. I feel like I've seen her a lot in those similar BBC on oh, PBS shows. Yeah, maybe I do. Recognize she her. always plays someone who's like. Um, very tragic like um she'll be in some sort of cop procedural show and then her husband is a professor and he drinks too much or something that's like her typecasting i feel like uh yeah so they were all i think everyone was pretty good in it yeah i mean the acting was good i don't think there was any like outstanding performances maybe the son the little boy he was he he was good um, he's a he's a creepy kid and um his dad is it's i would say it's like 1947 or something like that mm-hmm. um pretty sure that's exactly the year it is great um <laughs> go me um so his dad was a soldier and then um is suffering from what we now call ptsd and the kid has kind of become the parent and takes care of his dad a lot and yeah yeah, the Jude is good at what he does in this movie. Yeah. Um, I still don't know. I've seen this movie twice now. I still don't know <laughs> how I feel about Tina Fey being in it. It's so it's so funny. This movie came out Friday. It is Wednesday. You have seen this movie <laughs> twice. I, I we should disclaim the first time was before the movie was released. I yeah, humble brag. I saw, I saw this movie as part of a side gig that we do to see movies in advance and to help those screenings go on. I guess legally we should say opinion is does not reflect that of my yeah. employer, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, these are personal opinions, blah, blah, blah. So I saw this. <laughs> I saw this in a theater where it was just me and two other people the first time. Um and, and then when we saw it, it was you and three other people. Yeah, it was it was open to the public. <laughs> uh, and I just, I don't super get, I like, she's fine in it, but, and like, there, I do enjoy the writing of this movie more than I enjoy the writing of the second one. Yeah. But, like, it's, there are times where it's more comedic or there's a good back and forth between Perot and uh, Ariadne, but... I don't super get why it's her besides like when she when she's introduced she kind of has that like mid Atlantic accent Uh of like I'm a reporter from the 30s like that's kind of what she's going for and then it just fades off as the rest of the movie goes so I don't know if it was I I just I don't get it she's fine but it just boggles my mind (laughs) truly i am fine with it like it it's fine i'm just so confused there's nothing a part of it that I'm like why is this tina fey because tina fey like yes comedian has mostly done comedy but has also done a lot of serious acting as well i'm sure she has it's and... just not what i associate with her <laughs> people are allowed to do one thing and that's no. it <laughs> <laughs> Like, cause she, like I mean, I, I, you and I talked about it, but she's in the what we do. No, sorry, I'm confusing Hulu FX shows. Only murders. Only murders in the building. Yeah, which is another whodunit type thing. Right, and she is in that, and so like, 
I watched that, so maybe I'm a little more used to and it. And I haven't, so maybe maybe that's but the, why. There definitely wasn't any part of Tina Fey's performance where I was like, no. <laughs> I She wasn't... Her performance was good. It's just you have someone like Tina Fey who is known for being a comedian and for being good at comedy or like that's the, the thing that you associate with her career mm-hmm. and then you just never utilize that i was i was waiting i wasn't waiting for like a Pratt fall or something like that but i was expecting like some acknowledgement of her being a comedian <laughs> i don't know I, I don't know i mean comedians are allowed to do serious roles and that's <laughs> it's not a big deal it just i feel like there were parts in the movie where it was lighthearted and she you know yeah showed that she wasn't completely serious the whole time yeah it's just it's I, I it's, it's i think it's very funny it's silly to me <laughs> she's not bad in it anyway <laughs> this is a, a pretty visually interesting movie uh the cin- cinematography is fun there's a lot of wide angles um a lot of like camera suddenly turning towards someone um and like weird cuts and stuff like that so it kind of keeps the off kilter feeling going uh kept a little uneasy especially because the 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 wide angle lenses a lot of the times were used up like for close-up shots mm -hmm. and so like it felt like you were really in the person's face yeah that was neat Mm mm-hmm um, the set and costume design also set the tone well. Um, and then the production designer said that in an interview that I saw that it was fun to make the house one of the suspects because there's the whole thing of like mm. whether or not the house is haunted. Um, and he enjoyed the aspect of like he's not just making a background for the actors to be in. He's making um, a character for them to also consider, yeah. which is interesting. Uh, before when we were in the theater before the movie started, you know, it plays that like behind the scenes of certain things, yeah, little thing, and they showed behind the scenes for the movie that we were about to watch, which I always hate. Yeah, which I know that it's like they're not gonna make different edits for different movies that are playing, mm-hmm. but if I'm watching a movie and they're like, let's dive deeper into this movie, but 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 I don't know what we're diving. I don't know what in. we're diving yeah. deep. Yeah. Um, they they were talking about how they like didn't tell the actors like when things would fall or when like certain yeah. like, cues would happen so that all of the reactions from the actors were real. Mm-hmm. To me, that's uh called traumatizing. Um, I have I <laughs> because like while they were saying that they show in the background a giant chandelier falling from the ceiling and they're yeah. like we didn't tell people when things were happening I'm like you didn't tell them when I... the thing that could have <laughs> killed them fell well I I I if they told them like things were happening that's one thing but the when I think I mean it's I fine to play with that I found that thing um and it's specifically referring to the seance um just the same just the same okay well, as far as i know needs to be edited better for sure <laughs> um yeah and also uh i get what you're saying bryce but this specific thing chandelier falling they show that while they say this stuff about not letting actors know the actors who were around the chandelier children yeah okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> they'll learn <laughs> you're right you're right that's on me <laughs> uh yeah there are also some small 
visual details that are interesting, like which characters are framed together. I don't know how detailed examples we want to give if this is now spoiler zone where we can talk about specific plot elements. Um, let's let's wait. Okay. Let's do a little. Let's get through the sure next bullet point thing before uh, we start spoiling. It doesn't try to modernize yeah. the story, but it does give the characters at least more dimension, which I again. I'm not a fan of Kenneth necessarily, <laughs> but I think this one was better than I thought it would be. Um, I saw Death on the Nile at some point, <laughs> and it was not a good. It was not a good. Uh, it just, I mean, there's that that clip that went viral of Gal Gadot going and enough champagne to fill the Nile, where it just <laughs> everything felt really stilted. It felt like. Everyone was just like a, a everyone was two dimensional. Yeah. It didn't, it just wasn't great. And then also Army Hammer happened. Army Hammer. And, and that was a bad combo. And there was a comedian in that. And you're like, what is this comedian doing in this movie? Not playing a comedian role. <laughs> That's exactly what I said word for word. And now he's getting canceled. Good for him. Russell Brand. He was in that. Wasn't he? He was like. A, a more put together like um, professor type um, character. He he had glasses and his hair was back and it was everyone was like, why is Russell Brand acting again? Because I really scrolling. Yep, there he is. Huh. He's in that movie and you're like, <laughs> I have bad news about where I think Tina Fey is gonna go. <laughs> this is my prediction. Rest in peace, Tina. Fey. Yeah. <laughs> you're not dead, but you're gonna get canceled. <laughs> yeah. Um. Death on Nile wasn't great. It and then like personal pet peeves again from like being so far from the source material. There's a whole thing that he's trying to do. Uh I don't know how much the first movie touches on it, but the through line that he has with Perot is that he is deeply affected by all of the death and destruction that he's seen in his personal career and also with experiencing both world wars, which Sure, mm -hmm. for sure. Makes sense. Um, another big element about Perot is that he is very particular. Again, we would probably call that OCD now. Um, <laughs> but he's like he's needs things to be a certain way, um, and he notices details and patterns, and that's why he's good at what he does. Mm -hmm. um, he's also very particular about his appearance. That's the other thing about why it's kind of weird that Kenneth Branagh is Perot is that he doesn't physically match him, but then also Perot is supposed to be like, you're supposed to underestimate him because he's small and he just, he, he's very fancy. He, and he has a goofy mustache. He's very goofy. Kenneth Branagh has like a big he has mustache, an like. also kind of goofy mustache. But like big. So <laughs> the mustache in the second movie. So at the very end, he... Um, spoilers for the second movie, I guess. Spoilers for Death on the Nile, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he like, he comes to terms with his identity as a soldier or as someone who has experienced war. Mm -hmm. Um and he sets up this character background that the reason that Pro has a mustache is not for like pure vanity like it is in the books. It's because he has facial scars from shrapnel and he wants to hide the facial scars. So the one of the last shots of the movie is it like turns around and Kenneth Branagh is there 
looking kind of haunted and he has shaved his face and his mustache is gone and i was like absolutely not he would he would never do that that's not that's not a thing that he would do clearly it didn't stick because he it's has back. a big old mustache in this one yeah so in this one he prero still isn't quite like the books in the way that he is most commonly associated but that's kind of the point of this movie is that he it's implied that he's retired i guess because of the past movie because like it ends on a very down note of him being like i don't think i want to do this anymore i'm upset about where i am in life so he retires and he goes to venice and then in this one you don't see him like there's a teacup that they highlight that is on the edge of a table and he doesn't (laughs) nudge it back like he doesn't adjust anything he doesn't want to be a detective he keeps saying that like he won't accept cases and then Tina Fey is like, this isn't a case. This is a yeah. a, a seance. <laughs> That's completely different. Perot said, I'm taking my ball and going home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. He said, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. <laughs> that was that was all right. Hug you, Poirot. <laughs> Sounded great to me. Yeah. Hug you, Poirot. <laughs> One more time. Close in the mic. Close in the mic. Perfect. Can you do that and the vampire voice at the same time? I bet I could. Welcome. That's a clean take. Yeah. That's a wrap, everybody. We can go home. <laughs> All right. That's it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Um, I I would say now is the time Great. that we will talk about the movie itself. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want big old spoilers, if you don't like them big old spoilers, you just like them little bitty spoilers. <laughs> if you don't want the big ones, stop, <laughs> stop listening, stop watching, because now we're going to talk about the movie. <laughs> Um, Perot did it. <laughs> Perot killed them all. <laughs> it turned into a slasher horror yep. film. <laughs> it's very different. He's taking the character in a new direction. <laughs> um, yeah. So I like mysteries. You like mysteries. Yep. I feel like when we watch mysteries, we try to solve them as we watch them. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if we've just trained ourselves to pay more attention to the things that the the, the movie gives. Uh, it wasn't a hard one to solve. No. But it wasn't... It also wasn't, like, the easiest. It wasn't, like, blatantly obvious or anything like that. Yeah. And it wasn't full of itself with the, the parlor scene of revealing everything or, like, full of itself in its style, mm-hmm. which is a big problem I have with the Knives Out franchise yeah. and Ryan Johnson in general, because also his movie Brick, which... We've watched. If you haven't seen Brick, That's I, okay. I do not recommend it. Mm-mm. I think people 20 years older than us love that movie. <laughs> yeah. It. So if you're 20 years older yeah. than us, <laughs> give it a shot. But uh, this movie wasn't pompous. No. Right? So like the the mother killed the daughter. 
so the whole <laughs> the whole premise of why the seance is happening is or at least how it's a, initially set up is ariadne goes to perot and she says i found the psychic mrs reynolds i don't get how she does it i think she might be legit mm-hmm. um we should go to the seance after this orphan's ball <laughs> for, for halloween party thing um hosted at rowena drake's house we're gonna contact her daughter yeah she, she died a year ago at that point or something like that and then all these other people are there for various reasons and associations uh olga Semenov is the housekeeper i don't think we talked about her earlier um, um i also yeah. want to say that the house that like they that the mom lives in the palazzo the palazzo used to be an orphanage right yeah yeah so like they live in a formal orphanage and now it's Halloween. They just threw like a little Halloween party for orphans at a different orphanage. Yeah. To make it all spooky. There's a whole lore set up um, with the shadow puppets. I wish the whole movie or we just get a movie with that shadow puppet style. I liked the style. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the there's like a shadow puppet story thing. Uh, Ariadne says that like Americans have brought back Halloween to Italy slash the world, I guess. During the war. Yeah. So um, they're telling kids a spooky story and they're saying that this place used to be, or used to be a hospital, mm. a hospital orphanage. Uh, and there were doctors and nurses that were taking care of kids and then the plague happened and then people got scared and they locked the, the orphanage hospital yeah. up because they didn't want to be exposed to sickness. And then those kids starved to death. And now the children's vendetta is what they keep calling it. And there's that mark that's like the red slashing thing that the trailer shows for a second. Um, That is like the children's vendetta is if there's a doctor or a nurse that comes into the palazzo, then death. Audi. Gotta go. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that happens. The seance happens. Perot shows that mrs reynolds is a fake ish yeah so is a fake because she has two assistants she's two assistants like helped her pull some stuff off there is a typewriter that was typing itself but it was just some magnetic control thing one of her assistants is hiding in a chimney for some reason i truly could not tell why that's also an agatha christie thing it's like there's (laughs) there's There's like always someone in a chimney there's well it's just (laughs) like the train one there's a chimney (laughs) and someone was in it there's like just extra stuff like yeah. someone is in a chimney and that's a key piece of information or there's a children's ball for orphans <laughs> and that's a key piece of information or there's skeletons in the basement yes. and that comes up kind of for a second and yeah. then we don't need to talk about it anymore no, why would you it's, yeah they're already dead <laughs> who cares yeah the plague was hundreds of years ago yeah so <laughs> so he exposes the second assistant and then she keeps going and like committing to the bit basically. Oh, so like what they they the way that they show it though, right? Yeah. Perot exposes her for being a fraud. He's holding the yeah. thingy. But then she starts like freaking out, like twitching. Yeah. Uh and her she's on a little spinny chair and her feet are off the ground, but it is just spinning on its own over and over. Yeah. And then she starts doing this voice that like people said sounded exactly like the girl who died a year before. Yeah. And there's no explanation for that. 
That's, so it's like yeah. they're like, oh, she is actually like a real psychic and there's supernatural stuff. That's what the... Did have a problem with that. The, the movie keeps doing that of like, it won't take a stance one way or another and whether or not the supernatural stuff is real. Yeah. Like there's enough plausible deniability either way to believe in whichever one. Because like the creepy kid, Leopold, um, is also like... He says that he is friends with the dead kids that live in the house. Yeah. Um, and he says, like, he's talking to uh, Mrs. Reynolds and he says, like, I I hear I talk to ghosts all the time. And she's like, oh, do you like in the way that you yeah. are nice to a kid? And he goes, they say you're a fake. <laughs> yeah. Leopold is not taking any nonsense. Throughout the entire yeah. movie, honestly, he's just like, no. Yeah. I talked to the ghosts. They're not happy. Mm-hmm. You're going to die because you're lying about talking to the ghosts. And now I'm going to give my dad his medicine. <laughs> he's very sick. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got to get better. <laughs> Spoiler, he doesn't. No, he gets worse, actually. Um, so Michelle Yeoh is shown a lot in the trailer. Oh my god, it's like she's gonna be such a key character. She's dead in fifteen minutes. And then, minutes. do you remember that part where I said the Agatha Christie pattern is you will end up with two more dead bodies? The we, first one is Michelle Yeoh, who who dies by falling twenty feet max. Let's say if that, if that, right? Like I'm I'm stretching that. I don't think it was even that. She fell off of a balcony 20 feet maximum, mm-hmm. falls onto a statue who has his hand in the air, and impales herself. She gets impaled on the hand of this statue. Which I think is probably the part that killed her and not the fall. Yes. <laughs> and and the statue doesn't break. She's just... The statue, one, doesn't break. Two, does not have any blood on the hand when they show it later. Yeah, and also they somehow get her off of the statue. They right. never show that. Yeah, they... the. They put the sheet over the body and like, t- yeah. How how did any of that happen? That's fine. We're not here to care about no. logistical details. Death is death. Am death, I right? Yeah. <laughs> they don't make art like they used to. Mm-hmm. They really don't. Right? Used to be able uh, to get impaled on statues and it wouldn't break. <laughs> Speaking, <laughs> sorry, I want to do a, a weird little tangent that is not related to movies. Okay. But I think it's interesting. Did you see that artist? Who had to give back the museum $70,000. Oh, for turning in blank canvases? For turning in a blank canvas titled, Take Their Money and Run. This museum uh, commissioned an artist mm. to make a piece of modern art. They gave the, the guy $70,000. And in return, I think it was two canvases. Two blank canvases. Yeah. That, like, from what I could tell, actually had been touched like it wasn't just a blank canvas like primed or something like stuff like he actually did stuff to the things and from what from what i read Mm -hmm. it it was about how like different things age or deteriorate Mm -hmm. basically but it just looked like a blank canvas and the title was take their money and run and so i mean even if they were just blank canvases that still counts as art right but the museum was like no that's a statement and they just don't like the statement i mean 
to be fair, I don't like big, you know, museum, whatever, that takes money. But also, I like that they've finally taken a stance. Like, that all like, the BS, like, yeah. modern art that you've seen, we see recently. This is the limit, like, and now we know it. Someone had to find it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we found it. Yeah. It was the institution saying, don't say bad things about us. <laughs> That's the limit. Okay, sorry. Back to the movie podcast. Anyway. The small details thing, yes. like what you were saying about Ryan Johnson, he is very obvious with his details. And when we watch, like we watched Glass Onion and it was like right away, we were like, he did it. Yep. And then um, this is much more subtle where you find out that like uh, Ariadne Oliver and then uh, Vitaly Portfoglio um, were in cahoots. Vitaly is Hercule Prado's bodyguard. Um they conspired to get him there to like fool him and then provide some legitimacy for her next book because yeah, she's an author. She whatever. Had sold enough the last three books she made, so she wanted like a yeah. really cool story, and so she basically set up this thing that yeah. would stump Perot, who is like her her main book that has sold was based about on Perot. Yeah. And so she wanted like a thing that would like stump her greatest. Basically, he went into retirement and then she went into a slump with her book. Yep. So now she needs to bring him back. <laughs> but uh, they no don't really interact with each other that often. But you do see them visually paired together. And her whole thing is like she's really into apples. That's whatever. Um, but she's really into apples. And you see her like she's introduced. The bodyguard brings an apple as like her calling card to Perot. They talk. And then there are several shots of them like walking through Venice together and the bodyguard is in the background like a couple steps behind them and he's eating an apple. So it's yeah. like small stuff like that that pairs them together. Um, it's it just I like that more. Yeah, And also like this movie is more subtle and you do have to kind of like see what's happening as it goes to find out why the person committed the murders right right like with with knives out and stuff instantly and especially glass onion instantly i was like yep it's them yeah and then it was so pompous about being like ah, i'm so clever yeah is it them no it's not yes it is yes it that is i did not care why they did it yeah like it was just like okay that's fine a yeah. rich person killed a rich person whatever right yeah. but like this one was like I don't know. It wasn't blatantly obvious at the beginning of why the the mom killed the people. Mm -hmm. And then as like it went on, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm seeing who these people are. Right. It's uh, like that's that's why, you know, Agatha Christie is good or whatever. It's <laughs> like she she does have a formula of like the mom is kind of she kind of blends into the background of all of yeah. the other suspects. Everyone else has much more obvious motives. And then as you learn more about the characters and things fall into place more and you see like all of their other motives aren't really that big of a deal or easily explained or whatever. And then she becomes more obvious. And then it's also the formula of like you kill the one person and then the others are killed to cover up your crimes and yeah. and then you're more exposed that way and whatever. Um again the second movie was not good but this <laughs> one is was better in a lot of ways in that like it's not as pompous i felt like the second one was really pompous yeah. um and then this one is just much more 
it felt much more intentional with everything that it was doing. Like the production designer said that like he approached the house in a different way than he normally does with different projects. Um, the way that all the characters interacted with each other. I thought the editing was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Of it was it's very stylized, but it's I don't know. It's just it's just a very different vibe. I feel like the second like Death on the Nile was just like here the camera is set up and here's a nice shot or whatever, and then we're not gonna think about it too much after that. And we're just gonna focus on like these over dramatic reactions of everyone. And this one was more detailed. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we keep saying the mom killed her own daughter, who mm-hmm. was the girl that died a year ago. The reason was um, control. Control, basically. <laughs> yeah. She, I don't know, had her daughter, and then basically became best friends with her daughter, and didn't want to ever lose her daughter um, she, yeah. because her daughter got engaged, and then the engagement broke off because the daughter needed to take care of the mom because the mom got upset basically she like they started out with like a pretty loving relationship or whatever i feel like it's easy to just to show a loving relationship with a kid and then things get more complicated as people age bold take (laughs) but um like the mom basically just like I guess viewed her daughter more as an accessory or anything or like she always assumed that she would be around and didn't think about the fact that she has her own life and that she wouldn't also want to stay with her mom for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like the mom says at one point, like I've turned down marriage proposals without a second thought uh, just for just to stay with her. And she accepted the first one that she got. Yeah. Um, And then she says like she she tore up her flower garden uh, in a rage after she found out that her daughter got engaged and then she traveled to Budapest, Bucharest, Istanbul. not Constantinople, Istanbul. Cool. Um, uh, she abroad. <laughs> then, Which one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce, don't shake your head. You know you liked it. That was good. That was good. Oh, yeah, no, that was good. <laughs> um, yeah, she's she's more controlling. And then uh, Maxime broke off their engagement because he realized that the mom was just always going to be like that for their entire life. And she's yeah. always going to be an overbearing presence. And so then when the daughter went back to her mom, then her mom started slowly poisoning her, like microdosing her so but that like, she, she would be kept weak and yeah, dependent on her. Like a, it was a hallucinogenic that basically like she started seeing... The children. The children. Yeah. Uh, and then just couldn't really function on her own because mm-hmm. she was being drugged. And yeah. then what happened was uh, someone gave her the hallucinogenic because the hallucinogenic was a honey. And so someone made her tea to make her feel better, but too, but put too much honey in the tea. The housekeeper essentially unknowingly made the daughter overdose on the poison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, it's revealed that someone has uh, someone started um, blackmailing yeah. the mom uh, for money and being like, "I know what you did. I know that the daughter's death is on is on you," and basically took all of her money. So that's why the mom kills the other people. She yeah. like doesn't want the secret to be revealed and also wants to get rid of the, her blackmailer. Yeah, yeah. Um, the blackmailer is the little boy. 
Which is, which is one, badass. Yeah. <laughs> Two, the boy needs therapy. It's 1947. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of these movies yeah. are like, you need therapy. Yeah. So she kills uh, Mrs. Reynolds because she, like, Mrs. Reynolds says, like, ah, in this seance session, the killer wasn't revealed. But let's try again tomorrow night, and mm-hmm. I bet it will happen. And she's, like, just believable enough that it's a real yeah. threat. And then... Uh, she also kills uh, Dr. Leslie Ferrier because she thinks that he... Sort of. So she sort makes, of. Uh, she makes him kill himself. She thinks he's the guy blackmailing her. Yeah. Um, and then and she threatens to kill Leo unless he kills himself. Yeah, but the way that he does it is he puts a knife against the wall behind him and then just walks back he into it. He stabs himself in the back. Like, that is impressive they i know i was like that's that's some determination yeah. mental and physical to make that happen yeah um but they also established that he previously attempted suicide so yeah. he was like i guess that he was ptsd yeah so they kind of set that up as like he's a he's a easy target for her manipulation in that way of like he's already susceptible he's already very in a very fragile state and then she's just like boop and yeah. kicked him off the edge and basically. the only reason he is around because he's in love with her yeah so see it's all healthy just, relationships just everyone is connected to everyone <laughs> they should all go to family therapy yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's pretty much the movie there's nothing like yeah else really that was too uh, wild. yeah so the supernatural stuff like comes in and out um so praro no, Someone. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's... There you go. Someone <laughs> attempts to kill Ekupo. Yeah. Because they think that. He... Well, okay. Not someone. Rowena attempts. The mom tries to kill. She tries to kill Ikyu because uh, he. Mrs. Reynolds put her like mask and cloak on him to be like lighten up, buddy. Yeah. And like a totally weird thing, but whatever. Um, oh, that was the other detail I was thinking of. When she leaves that scene, then she like looks up at the statue. She just like uh, stares at it while she walks out. Yeah. Anyway, um, so he he's like, okay, I'll try and lighten up. I'll bob for apples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Rowena comes up behind him, uh, tries to drown him in the water, and then realizes, oops, mistaken identity. I'm trying to kill the wrong person. Yeah. Um, and... It's like, I'm guessing, like, they did that to be like, ooh, the apple person, the per- apples, yeah. apple person tried to kill him. Apples is a thing. Not once for a second did I think that. Yeah. And I was just like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, oh, where was it going? Oh, the supernatural stuff. So, he gets hit over the head during this attack, um, and then they're like, we need to, what is our fix for this illness of murder almost bandages and tea and then they put uh or tina fey finds some leftover honey and she puts honey in the tea so then basically perot is lightly tripping through the rest of the movie (laughs) and that's why he like hears he hears a kid singing throughout the house um he sees that girl that's in the trailer it's revealed that that is actually a younger version of the daughter that died he finds a photo of that later um but then also the whole time, then every time something weird kind of happens to him, then Leopold comes around a corner and he's like, you heard that too, right? <laughs> yeah, Leopold's haunted. Yeah. 
but they do find skeletons in the basement. Um, so the kids were like yeah. that part of it was true. Was that orphans were locked away? Well, because they find it because there's this giant loud noise, and they're like, "What is that?" Yeah, and then the Q is like, "We have to go to the basement." And the mom's like, there's no basement there in this no house. There is no basement. And then he's like, uh, oui, oui, uh, there is a basement. <laughs> and then tripping, mm-hmm. not like physically, but like, you know, on drugs. Yeah. He's like going through the house mm-hmm. and he sees this really long corridor and he goes to it. And when he gets to it, it's, uh, you know, in Roadrunner, when the Roadrunner paints a wall for the uh, the coyote and, it's, the, and it's, it looks like a road. Optical illusion. Yeah, it's an hallway. optical illusion. <laughs> yeah. So it's just a, a part in a like door frame that's painted to look like a long corridor. He kicks the door down. Yeah. Like he, he goes up to it and everyone is like watching him like, yo, Perot, are you okay, man? Yeah. And he like looks back at them and he looks at the thing and he just like just kicks the wall and it just opens up and he's like, uh-huh. It's the basement. <laughs> <Lala. laughs> uh, and they go into the basement and tons of children's skeletons it, everywhere. The camera, Rats. the camera changes again or the cin- cinematography yeah. where it almost feels like found footage. Like mm-hmm. the, it's, it's, it's very, very handheld. It's very shaky. Yeah. Uh, it looks like there was a light that was on the camera. Yeah. So it felt like Blair Witch or something mm-hmm. of like something is going to pook around. Pook. Peek, peek around a corner. Um, and, that has been pooked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he, then they find skeletons. The banging noise was like a log or something hitting a window. A big, oh, also, there's a giant storm happening outside. In That's another reason why the police can't get to them is because yeah. the storm is happening. Um, the, the children's vendetta thing is, uh, so they say like, any nurse or doctor that comes into the place will kill. Uh, Michelle Yeoh was a nurse in the war. She was a nurse in the war. And then uh, the doctor is a doctor. So they're like, it's true. <laughs> and they were saying um, that the daughter, the the official story when she first died was that it was suicide and that she was driven to jump by because she heard the voices of the children and they wanted her to become one of their own. Yeah. Uh, and then you see her Towards the end, you see her floating behind her mom as Perot is confronting her. Yeah. And that's supposed to be another, like, maybe maybe the effects of the tea has, have worn off by now. Maybe they, they haven't. They also, like, show that the daughter, as in her ghost form, pulls the mom back she, towards the ledge yeah. that they're on. And then the mom is like, <gasps> and then falls. Yeah. So it's like, did she jump or was she killed by a ghost? Yeah. The mom, Spooky. the mom also dies. And then you see her floating below the water. And then her daughter ghost farm or whatever is like pulling her down. So no justice was really found today. But Perot <laughs> solved the case. And he's back in the saddle. Mm-hmm. He's, he's taken on cases again. Yeah. That was the other thing of his he needed a bodyguard because people kept approaching him to be like i i want you to solve this case or whatever and then he wouldn't let anyone contact him and then by the end then he just leaves his door open and then a guy mm-hmm. walks in and he's like your doctor killed your parents <laughs> surprise <laughs> he's back which <laughs> implies a fourth movie will happen <laughs> anything else before we get to production facts. No, I don't think that's that's the movie. 
Yep. So production facts. Yeah. Uh, as we said, it was released on September 15th, 2023. Um, it has a runtime of an hour and 43 minutes, and it's rated PG-13. Um, it has a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 77% audience score. I think I kind of agree with yeah. that. Yeah. That was interesting to me that it was like, I feel like most other ones that we've covered, there's been a pretty big gap between what critics and audiences yeah. think, but everyone with this one is like, no, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, 63 out of 100 Metacritic and then a B from CinemaScore. Um, in part of a review that I saw from the New York Times, it says, in straddling genres, haunting can get stuck in the middle, but there's fun to be had there. What's consistent is the elegant visuals. Striking cinematography by Harris Zambarlukos. Harris Zambarlukos, which marked this movie's real genre as a lavish, old-fashioned Hollywood entertainment. That tracks to me. And then a lot of reviews used the word moody. A lot. I love when a lot of reviews for things use the same phrasing. Yeah. The, the biggest one that I always think of is the Spider-Man video games. Mm-hmm. Of Makes you feel like you're Spider-Man. <laughs> and then the, the Miles Morales, Mor- sorry, Miles Morales one where mm-hmm. it's like all of the charm of a young black boy in New York City. Like it's something oh, along. It's Is it that weird clip that we just saw where he's like it's the swagger of a young black boy you're like whoa but i think like multiple reviews say that like it's really weird that's (laughs) deeply upsetting yeah the memes (laughs) from that are pretty funny yeah (laughs) um i'm not going to ask you if this movie was a success because it came out less than a week ago so there's it's no way for us to know yet (laughs) uh so it's still earning money allegedly I, Uh, i will say based off of what i'm seeing on your notes it's doing pretty well it's yeah um it had a budget of $60 million, according to wikipedia.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it currently at the box office has earned $39.1 million total. This is, again, it's been out for five days. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, I think it was something like it was projected to earn $10 million in its opening and it earned 14 or something like that. So it's yeah. it's doing good. Um, while we're talking about money, again, death on the Nile, not fun. It, But... It had a budget of ninety to one hundred million dollars, and then it earned one hundred and thirty-nine million dollars, mm. which was more than I expected. Yeah, um, yeah. Filming began in twenty twenty-two on Halloween, <laughs> which I thought was fun. That was fun. And then, as we've mentioned, it was directed, produced, and stars Kenneth Branagh. Oh, really? He had a, he he had a part of this movie. He was there in the background. Uh. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the same for the other two in the series. I assume producing on those. That's the only I one I didn't look up. I just think it's so up. interesting because, like, clearly he likes pr- the character Poirot, but then he was like, "I am going to bring Poirot back to the, s- the starlight." Yeah, and and it's gonna be gritty, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be about a guy who has some severe PTSD. I have, I have two thoughts on this. <laughs> Number one. It's a little bit necessary because Perot in the books, he's not two dimensional, but in the ones that I've read, you really don't learn a whole lot about them because they're all told from the perspective of his assistant Mm. who he's like, you're my best friend. And then they never really discuss like why they're friends Mm -hmm. in the first place or there's never like, you don't really find any common ground between them. It's just the assistant being like, my God, he's done it again. Um, (laughs) So you need to like, you got to give some dimension to that guy of making people interested in him. 
Do I always agree with the dimension that he did give him? <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, the other thing is Kenneth Branagh's career specifically, very big into doing adaptations for the screen. He's, I think, most known, at least directing-wise, for doing a bunch of Shakespeare stuff. Um, to me, it's Thor, right? He did that first one? He also did that. Um, I'm pretty sure he did the first Thor. Yeah. You know what? I have the power of the internet on my side. Um, he might have done the second one. I believe he worked on Thor. He did a Thor for sure. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Hamlet, much to do about nothing. Henry, Henry the V. <laughs> Henry V. Henry V. Yeah. Oh, he's in Oppenheimer. Did not know that. Everyone is in Oppenheimer. And Tenet. That Was he not trip. there for Henry one through four? No. Yeah. They, they brought him in. He was in Wallander, a fantastic BBC show. I did like Wallander. Yeah. Um, ba, ba, ba. I believe you're looking at the actor list Poopy. right now, and not his. Well, there's the Harry Potter one. Yeah, he's in yeah. the second one, right? Um, he is the the the, the Lockhart defense against. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going. Sorry, we're going through his IMDb right now yeah. for for our viewers. Thor. Um, he didn't do Dark World. I thought he did. I mean, it said Thor. Yeah. But I didn't see Thor Dark Worlds. Huh. No, I guess he just did the first Thor. He did the Cinderella? And he did Belfast. Wow. So, okay, uh, he's got some merit to him. He, yeah, he's got... <laughs> yeah, Just it just says Thor. 2011. Interesting. Um, Yeah, he... Also a Cinderella. Again, adaptations. Yeah. <laughs> um... He's not like bad no. as a director or as an actor or anything. He's obviously had a very successful career. I've just never been a fan of him, partially because I feel like my mom hasn't been a fan of him. So then <laughs> now legally I'm not. Sure. Um Yeah. That's that's my hot take on Kenneth. <laughs> uh I was pleasantly surprised with this one. Um and then it's also the same screenwriter for all films, Michael Green. Um, which I thought was interesting just because I feel like the writing is so different between Death on the Nile and yeah. Haunting in Venice. Um, again, like we said, actors didn't know the specifics of what would happen during the seance scene. The interview clips that I did see was that people were saying it's the most genuine reactions you'll see during the film. There is uh, a very intense sense of like nervousness on set for that, but they also had a fun time. Yeah. So... Not super traumatized, hopefully, from this experience. I hope not. Mm -hmm. Well, should we talk about our ratings for this movie? Sure. I, I realized when we started this, I have not given it a rating yet. So this is going to be uh, news for literally everyone. Off the dome. Um, but we have a rating system out of four with five options. Zero out of four is, oh, no, stop making movies. Mm -hmm. Give up on your passions. <laughs> One is, that was a movie. Two is it's a well-made movie. Mm -hmm. Three is enjoyable and technically good. Mm -hmm. Four is Oscar worthy. Maggie, what was your rating for this movie? I gave this a three out of four. Um, there are a lot of elements in it that I enjoyed, like from the technical aspect. Again, cinematography is very good. Um, the performances are good. Editing keeps things interesting in a way that I didn't expect. Um there wasn't necessarily anything super surprising about the plot 
even though I haven't read this story before, mm-hmm. but it was enough like, like I knew s- other people were going to die. I didn't know necessarily that it was going to be Michelle Yeoh and yeah. also that it was going to be that early on. So yeah. when she died, it was more just like, oh, interesting. <laughs> um, Yeah, I expected it to be pretty bad and it wasn't. So I gave it a three out of four. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, this is, this is going to be a shocking rating for me we never agree on things. Oh my god! I also think it's a three out of four. Ugh. It was it was an enjoyable whodunit movie that mm-hmm. wasn't pompous. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much. Again, <laughs> we don't really like Ryan Johnson, and it gave the full swagger of a black teen experience. Kenneth <laughs> <laughs> <And> Branagh, <laughs> he can do it all, <laughs> and he will. <laughs> he will cast himself. <laughs> Um, we don't really like Ryan Johnson, but I do no, appreciate that the success of the Knives Out like franchise has made whodunits a little bit more mainstream. Um, I think they're a fun concept. That being said, I don't want the Clue remake <laughs> to happen, no, that's and it a is movie that doesn't need to happen. Yeah, um, I think that is our discussion for that movie. Mm-hmm. At the end of each episode, we talk about another movie that we have watched this or just recently that this, isn't yeah. a 23 movie yeah um and right before we started this podcast we were watching a movie that opens on a scene at halloween so it counts it counts the movie's called fanboys <laughs> and the movie is about four lifelong friends mm-hmm. go on a journey to skywalker ranch in 1998 to steal a copy of the Phantom Menace so that they can watch it. Yep. Um, yeah, it sounds dumb. Like that sounds like a dumb premise. I'm gonna be honest. So it, far, yeah. it's kind of fun and good. We have about half an hour of it left, which I think we'll probably finish tonight. Probably. <laughs> um, like it was made. It was, so it was made in 2009. And so it does have like a little bit of that like 2000s they're, they're humor. Real and gross with a couple things. Also takes place in 1998. So like the things they say are not things that you can say now. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's not PC. Mm-hmm. It's historically accurate. <laughs> <laughs> this is a period piece. It is a period piece. Like it's <laughs> goofy. Um, but like. The chemistry of the actors is like yeah. pretty good. The writing is very silly, mm-hmm. but like in a way that's like fun and like believable. But They're... then also like it pokes fun at like the Star Trek, Star Wars, yeah, uh, like feud. I guess which I feel like isn't really a thing anymore. No, because now with the internet being so big and accessible, um, the feuds are within the fandoms. Right. So it is. Star Wars fans who basically like Star Wars and then Star Wars fans who don't like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like those are the feuds now. <laughs> yeah. Seth Rogen is in this movie as two separate characters who are not related uh-uh. to each other. There's no reason for him to be double cast, but he is. And I want to know why. And I, I like cannot it. wait to look at the IMDb trivia that says <laughs> It's very heartwarming to see the solidarity that Star Trek fans have with everything. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they'll be like, Yeah, I didn't really care for uh Deep Space Nine, but I understand what it was trying to do and they they all kind of get together. Star and Trek Star fans Wars... are so much better than Star Wars fans. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Star Wars fans just mayhem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the only problem star trek fans are the ones who are recently saying 
Why is new Star Trek so woke? Why is it so political? As if they have never watched Star Trek in their lives. Like, yeah, it's always been political and progressive. That is the point of Star Trek. Hey, like, there's a picture from uh, Next Generation, I think, when they're all, I think they were all dressed in drag. It was just for a fun Halloween thing. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. Uh, there There is an episode in the first season of Star Trek Next Generation that if you go back and watch it, it is problematic. Mm. It is very weird. They find a planet of black people. That's like the whole thing. And this was when Gene Roddenberry was still alive. So he wrote the episode. So um, it's his fault. But apparently, at, like when they were filming it, first season of Next Generation. So that's like 87, maybe mm. all of the actors were like, this is not good what like this is not okay like what's happening in this episode not cool so like clearly the actors of star trek also have to be pretty progressive yeah <laughs> and it's just yeah anyways fanboys very goofy but like kind of just like a like a fun there are a lot of easter eggs for like if you are a star wars fan yeah. and then um some pretty obvious ones too but then also just so many good cameos so far mm -hmm. like uh, I'm Car excited for more. Carrie Fisher was in it. Billy D. Williams yeah. is in it. William Shatner, Shatner is in it. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's all very interesting because uh, William Shatner plays himself. Mm -hmm. uh, Carrie Fisher and Billy D. don't play themselves. They play characters. So I think... It, really makes you think? It. I mean, I'm not saying it makes you think, but I do think it is an interesting choice mm -hmm. of being like, because these are, we're following Star Wars fans who don't like Star Trek fans. But the only person playing themselves is a Star Trek person mm -hmm. and like the Star Wars people. I don't know. I think it's because like, I think it does kind of show that these fans are so in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And I know it's a goofy thing to like really analyze fanboys, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I think more thought was put into it than what the exterior would show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for listening or watching our Halloween episode. Sorry, our Halloween episode of Year of the Movie podcast. The podcast where we discuss movies from the year of the movie, 2023. Please follow us on Instagram. <laughs> if you want bonus content or content early, you can go to our Patreon. I just really like the switch between voices. And we will see you uh, next week. Have a happy Halloween. Woo. Thor 1's the best Thor. <laughs> Shut the f*** <laughs>